A good near of Shabbos to our friends and members of the Westmount Shul. This Shabbos is Parshas Kiseitze. We're well into the month of Elul. We're discussing in our other classes what is our vote in Elul. And I want to start today with one of the very famous stories that the Baal Shem Tov has taught us. The Baal Shem Tov tells a story about a fellow who knocks on someone's door and says, you know, I'd like to buy your house. And I know the market value of your house is $150,000, let's say. And I'm willing to pay you $170,000 for it. And the guy said, why are you in such a rush to buy my house? Well, my mother, my elderly mother lives next door, and I'd like to move in and be next door to her. The guy says, well, that's very nice but I really like where I live over here and I'm not interested in selling even if I'll make a lot of profit on it. It's just not something I'm interested in doing. He says, okay. Anyway, a few weeks later, the fellow comes back and the guy asks, what are you doing back here? I already told you I don't want to sell. I have have a a new proposal. Okay, what's your proposal? Listen, if you don't want to sell the house, at least... You see by the front door over here, the wall, right as you walk into the house, I'd like to drill a strong peg, a hook, that can hold up to 30 pounds of weight. And I'd like to pay you for the right to have a peg inserted here, and then I can come in whenever I want and put something on the peg. Guy says, what do you want that for? Why would you want that? And why should I let you do it? Well, I'll pay for it. Well, I'll tell you what I want. When I go to my mother, like I have my valise, I have my little uh, uh, notebook, whatever, and my mother wants to know what's in your valise. And I don't want to tell her. So I can't leave it outside. Some may steal it. So when I come to her, I'll just come and use your peg and put my little valise over there, my little notebook. That's not to worry. Yeah, what do you want to pay for that? Ten thousand dollars. Ten thousand dollars, yeah. Definitely goes, wow, ten thousand dollars. You know, the house has been a little bit uh, falling apart a little bit. We could use some renovations. I'd tie down money, but ten thousand would really do all the renovations. So okay, you, you want to do it? Okay, I, I'm willing to do it for ten thousand dollars. You can put the pick. Okay, but we're gonna have to make a contract and everything has to be clearly spelled out so there's no misunderstandings. So he says, uh, okay, what's the contract? So they sit down, they write down. Number one, I, Reuven, have the right to put in a hook that can hold up to 30 pounds of weight. So it's fine. It's number one. Number two, I can go in anytime I want. Okay? Number three, no one can inspect what's inside there and no one can take it down. And the last one, if either one of us breaks the deal, we have to pay $100,000. So the guy figures, okay, so what's what's the worst that could happen? What's he going to put? Fine, they sign the deal. Sign the deal. And the guy takes the $10,000 and he makes renovations. He's happy. He doesn't hear from the other guy for about two months. Two months later, 2 o'clock in the morning, there's a knock at the door. What? What? Who's there? It's me. It's Ruben. It's three o'clock in the morning. I know, but clause number three says I can come anytime I want. It's so important. Yeah. Come 
down, he opens the door. What does he have? A key. A key. I want to have the key of my mother's house here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Crazy guy. Puts the key in. Disturbs it. Okay. But $10,000, it's worth a little disruption of sleep. Okay. Nothing happens for another month or so. Again, a knock at the door at 2 in the morning. Huh, he's doing it again. Opens the door. What do you want? I want to take the key. Takes the key. Okay. It's an annoyance, but $10,000 is $10,000. A few weeks later, fellow knocks in the middle of the afternoon. It's Ruvain again. This time he has a big, big parcel. Big, heavy. He says, what's this? I want to put my parcel on the hook. Okay, it's really heavy. Yeah, but I checked it. It's exactly 30 pounds, not an inch more, not a pound more. He lifts it, gets it on the peg. He put a sturdy peg in, and now it's there. He says, what's in the bag? I don't have to tell you. And he leaves. Okay, everyone's curious. What's in that bag? What's in that valise? They don't know. They're not allowed to say. About a day later, all of a sudden, a putrid smell is coming out of that bag. And although they can't open it, but they touch the bag and they can feel there's dozens of slaughtered chickens, freshly slaughtered chickens in the bag. And that's the source of the smell. So the children say, Dad, throw it out. He said, I can't throw it out. Clause number five says anybody reneges on the deal, they have to pay $100,000. But oh, does it smell? And then they say, what are we going to do? We got no choice. We'll have to go out on the Mirpeset. We'll go out on the balcony. Aye, but balcony, that's a whole house. And whenever they have to go in the house, oh, they have to hold their noses. Then they remember, oh, we have masks from COVID. You know, N95 masks or whatever. They put serving masks. At, it's terrible. One day, two days, three days. This is unbelievable. Guys, okay, so I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm stuck. I have no eights over here. I guess the only thing I can do is sell the house. I don't know. Because I can't get out of the other. I don't want to lose $100,000. Anyway, about a week has passed under these circumstances. Everyone's on the mere pet and Ruvain comes by. He's walking by to his mother's house. And he sees her all in the Mirpeset. And he asks very sincerely, says, what's the matter? Why is everybody on the Mirpeset? says, what do you mean, what's everybody on the Mirpeset? Do you know what's in that bag that you brought in? And he says, what's the problem? What's the problem? You brought slaughtered chickens in there? I'm going to have to sell the house. Oh, you have to sell the house? Okay, listen, I'll tell you what, I'll do you a favor. I'll pay for it. Huh? Okay, um, well, listen, you offered us $170,000 a few months ago. We'll happily sell it for $170,000. He says, well, that was a few months ago, my friend. Now I'm not interested. I'll, I'll buy it for $100,000. And so it was, they had no choice. And they therefore had to pay. This is a mushal that the Baal Shem Tov brings.
The nimshal is very obvious. The Gemara and Sukkah says in the future, Hashem is going to bring the Yetzirah before all of us and slaughter it before us. To the righteous, the Yetzirah will appear to be like a large mountain that needed to be climbed, while the wicked thing was like a very thin string that should easily be walked over. What does that mean? The answer is because the Yetzirah first shows himself as a little bit of string. Like, what are you giving him? All we gave him was a little hook. What can you do with a hook? But a tzaddik who has eyes in his head, he sees the future. When he says a little hook, he understands that a hook can hold all kinds of things. And he already sees the slaughtered chickens on the hook. And he knows what the Yetzirah really wants to do. And that is the issue. Yetzirah is so clever. He'll never come and say, I want to put a dozen slaughtered chickens in your house and smell up your neshama. No, Yetzirah doesn't come and say, go be Mechalel Shabbos. Yetzirah is not going to do that. What does the Yetzirah say? He says, okay, you know, be at work till four o'clock and make sure you get in and you're able to shower, and you come into shul, oh, a few minutes late, but you lit candles just before Shkia. That's all he's asking you to do, a little hook. But once the little hook is this, well, it's a little hook. Okay, I'll finish a business deal. Okay, a little hook went in. So don't you realize that that little hook is meant to get a lot more roped in? And this is what we have to do in the month of El. We have to look at not our gross Averos, because those are obvious if we have any, Loaleno. That's an obvious thing. But these little hooks that are in our lives, we have to remove the hooks because a hook is easy to remove. But when it becomes, uh, it pollutes our environment in our home, it's a hard thing to remove to get it out. It's a great difficulty. We have all kinds of issues in our lives, all kinds of little hooks. And we have to view where is that little hook in my life. But on the other hand, there's another thing we could do. We're all into making kabbalos. We're all into making uh, resolutions for the new year. And we could play the Yetzirah at his own game and beat him at his own game. Just like Yetzirah is trying to put hooks in with us, we could try to put hooks in with him for the good. And instead of us making a resolution that I'm not going to speak Lush and Har the rest of my life, oh, the HR is not, he's not going to like that. He's going to push back on that right away. So make a resolution, make a hook type of resolution. We say, I'll only not talk Lush for five minutes today. The rest of I'll speak Lush and Har. That's a little hook. And the HR will allow you to put that little hook in. And then you can hook him and then make it more and more and more and more till all of a sudden the HR has to capitulate to you. Beautiful idea. Do we see this idea in this parsha? So if Baruch Rosenblum makes a beautiful connection between this marshal and the parsha, we know that we have in this week's parsha we find a famous Rashi that connects the first three events of the Parsha, where we have first the Parsha of Yefas Toar, the captive maiden. Then we have the Parsha of if a man has two wives, 
and the one wife who has the firstborn son is the wife that he doesn't love, he must still have the set, the, the wife who has the older son he doesn't love must be the Bechor. And the third one is about the story of the Ben Sorer Umorer, the recalcitrant son. And Rashi points out why are these three events connected? And even there's a fourth story. The fourth part says anyone who's high of skill in a Bezdin, after you hang him up, you have to take him down before sundown. So what are the, what's the connection of the four stories? The answer is we see the connection. If you marry a Fastoar, what will happen is you'll have a son you're not going to want and you're going to have to force him to make him the Bechor. And then eventually he's going to become the what? The Ben Saramara. And eventually he's going to be killed and he'll have to be hung and then taken down. So the question that the Birchas Mordechai asks, a very interesting question. There's there's a bunch of just, you know, a couple Pusuk stories throughout the Parsha. So many different ideas, shotness, tzitzis, uh, returning lost items, sending away mother bird. But Rashi only picks on these four events to say this is the connection between these. What's the connection between these four events? What about the rest of the Parsha? So why are we? Why is Rashi worried? Let's connect everything else in the parsha. So what's episode? These three or four that are connected right together. So the Birchus Mordechai says a great, great idea. It's a big discussion. The more if there ever was a Ben Sora more than ever happened in history. We talked about it in our parsha class on Tuesday night, which you can go on our web, our our, our podcast site and listen to that parsha class. There's a whole question: if it existed and it did or didn't. And if it didn't, the question is, why does the Torah tell us about it? So the Torah says the purpose is Dorash V'kibbal Schar. Learn it and get rewarded for it. So that's a very interesting idea. I mean, the Torah is telling us, yeah, it never happened. We should learn that you shouldn't make the same mistakes. And the Talmud Chuma gives us a good example of that. David HaMelech, when he lusted for Macha, the daughter of Talmud HaMelech, who was sort of a Yifas Torah, he married her, and Avshalom came out of that. At the end of the day, Avshalom tried to kill his father. And Avshalom wasn't exactly a Ben Sormor, but he was pretty close to it. So what should have happened is, David should have learned the story of Ben Sormor and learned from that. And in fact, the Gemara in Sanhedrin tells that Chushai Ha'arki, one of his great advisors, when he met David, after he runs away from Avshalom, he asked, why didn't you, why did you marry this Yafas Torah? He says, well, the Torah permitted the Yafas Torah. So Chushai said, didn't you Didn't you interpret the connection? Because right after Yafas Torah is Ben Saramorer. So you see that there's something to be learned from this. And that just begs the question. So how is it possible the Torah could allow us to marry Yafas Torah when at the end of the day you get a Ben Saramorer? And the Yalkut Shimoni says, well, the whole mitzvah of Ben Saramorer is to go against our is speaking about our Yet Sahara. Because it's going to be very hard for a person not to be with a woman that he covets in the field, and that would be an Avera to be with her. So let's have her do it in a him do it in a permitted way and not in a in a prohibited way. Yeah, but that answer still begs the question. But even if it's permitted, at the end of the day, he's going to make the mistake. So what's going to happen? So the Birchus Mordechai says a tremendous shot. He says the whole idea of Astar, even though it may never happen, the Torah is hinting to us how to deal with and overcome the Yetzirah. Meaning to say, when the Yetzirah tries to influence a person to sin, 
He does not show you the Gehenim that's right under your feet. He conceals it and he waits after you do the tremendous Averas. He, he says, like the hook, he says, if he come with a big Avera and say, this is what you should do, there's no way it's going to happen. But his job is to seduce us in a very slow way. And this whole idea, he said, Salem al when you go out to battle, and Rashi says it's a Muhammad Arishus, it's an optional battle, and we're really talking about the battle with the Yetzirah. And the Bali Yetzirah is not, does not start with the big Averos. It starts with the Dov Rishus, things that are permitted, but not sins, but they're not the best things to get overly involved with. And that's what the Yetzirah does. He gives you all kinds of voluntary things that are little hooks. And he says, well, yes, you know, you could marry her, it's not the best idea, but if you really want a heter, we can find a rabbi who'll give you a heter to be with this woman. And you're not doing an Avera, but you see it's a slippery slope. And eventually what's going to happen is you'll have to kill your own son. And that's how the Yetzirah works, and that's what this Parsha is teaching us. To say, be smart. Look at the beginning. Doresh smuchim. Darshan, the things, not the simple meaning of the text is, there's three stories and let's connect them. But in your life, when you see story one, realize there's a story two, three, four, five down the line. And in the beginning, it doesn't look so bad. Okay, I bring home a Yafas Tar. She'll convert. It'll be very interesting. I'll have a second wife. It'll bring a lot more uh, tranquility, whatever, whatever it is. But eventually, no, no, but see now what's going to be down the line. And therefore, we have to be careful. There's more than any than just a yafas toar. Certain, let's say you bring something into your house that should not be brought into the house. I will not go into details. What's so bad about this thing? Well, it's it's just a little hook. Again, everyone has their own hooks. I don't want to mention everyone according to their level has certain little hooks that they bring in. And the Torah is teaching us, you got to remember, this little hook may eventually be something that will be something much bigger and much worse. And on the simplest level, again, I'm not criticizing. I'm just trying to give a marshal. There's all kinds of nice Jewish magazines that are very nice Jewish magazines. They have kosher content and it's amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. It's better to read these things than to read the Trafe magazines. So let's say you bring this into your house. Okay. So the way you do, I'm going to read it on Shabbos. Now, for a person whose mom is struggling to keep Shabbos, and this keeps him from being Machal Shabbos, it's a wonderful thing. Or a person is so struggling that he'll start speaking Lush and Horror if he doesn't read these things, and that's fine. But what about a person who's a Talmud Chacham? We know Shabbos is given to learn Torah. That's what Shabbos is to daven and to learn Torah. Okay, to socialize with your family, of course. But some people, you know, like in our shul in the afternoon, by five o'clock, we're back in shul. Take a little nap, get back in shul, let's learn for a few hours. What if a person now takes this little, this little, these magazines and spends two hours reading the magazine and then takes his nap and he misses out on learning Torah? That's the hook. That, what do you mean? Shabbos is for learning Torah. And the person then develops this attitude that Shabbos is for sleeping. And then if it's for sleeping, then I might as well use every minute of my weekday to put, get as much as I can so I'll sleep more on Shabbos. And then afterwards, the slippery slope gets worse and worse.
Certainly, the Yetzirah could never convince us to bring a cell phone into a shul and talk to people and to look at the internet in a shul. Would never do that. Would he? Would any of us do that? So what does the Yetzirah say? He says, well, I'm going to bring the cell phone into shul because it has sitter there. And therefore, I'll always have a sitter. That's a hook. Is anything wrong with it, Rabbi? Something wrong with it, but do you realize it's a hook? Once you once you have it there, and you finish the Shmon Esrei two minutes before the Chazan is ready to start the repetition, is it possible you may be checking emails? Well, what's wrong with checking emails in a shul? Is it, does the Shulchan Aruch permit it? Take a look in the Shulchan Aruch. Check it out for yourself. And then you can start sending texts and this and that. And then you go to a website. And then you, the phone rings in the middle of the, the repetition. You start talking to people. It's the hook. And therefore, we never know what hooks the Yetzirah puts in front of us. And therefore, we have to be doire shmuchim. We have to darshan what can come out of this later on. That's our avoida, our avoid of tshuva. And the month of Elul, it's not the big things. The big things, you know, are not necessarily things we can handle right away. But let's start looking. Where is the hooks in my life? Little things that seem fairly benign, but maybe they're starting to take a step more than just being benign. And more than that, when we want to make resolutions, make resolutions that are only hooks. So the HR won't stop you from being. Is this possible? Certainly it's possible. The famous Gomorrah Nidorim where Shimon HaTzadik would never eat from an Osham, from a Tomei Nazir, because he was afraid the person would regret it and it would be bringing in Hulin into the Azar, which is not allowed. And one time he found a Nazir came to the base of Migdash from the south. And he saw he's so beautiful. He has such beautiful locks. And he looked at him and says, you have such beautiful hair. You became a Nazir. You're going to have to cut those locks off. Why would you do such a thing? So he says, well, one day I, I looked in the water. I was getting water from, I was a shepherd. I'm looking in the, getting some water. I see my reflection in the water and I see how beautiful I look. And then I see, wow, I'm really handsome. And I begin to think, wow, I'm such good looking. All of a sudden, the Yetzirah wants to get me to do things I shouldn't want. And immediately I said to the Yetzirah, Russia, you want to be arrogant in a world that's not yours? I swear I'm going to I'm going to be a Nazar and cut it all off. Shimon Tzadik says, you are a sincere Nazar. He kissed his forehead and brought his corpse. So the question is, what's so unique about this Nazar and why do we care he came from the South? And the answer is, again, a chacham, a wise person. We know if you want to be wise, the Gemara says, when you daven, slant a little to the south. So what's the Torah telling us? That this guy was from the south, meaning to say he was a smart nausea. And why was he so smart? Because he saw the little hook. He saw the hook of the hair. The hair was the hook. And with the hair being the hook, he knew that this only the beginning and the Esau is going to want to totally destroy me, so I'm going to destroy the hook. He's like, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? So you have nice hair. No, no, no. For me, for me. Could be for others, it's not. For me, that's the hook for trouble. 
And therefore, that's why. The Gemara says when we when the Yetzirah will be destroyed, the Russia will think it's a thin string and the Chacham, the, the Tzadikim are going to say it's a big mountain. What, what is it? The answer is both. It always starts as a little hook. It starts as a little string. The question is, do you at that point see something more or not? That's the question. The Russia doesn't see anything more than that. So he goes full into it. He sells, for, he gets $10,000 for the hook. But then eventually he has to sell his house. How many of us sell our soul? What's so bad about certain things? What's a bad what's bad about marijuana? It's legal. It's legal. What can be bad about it? It's just a little hook. Oy, vavoy, vavoy. What's happened to certain people's lives have been totally destroyed. And then on the other hand, you want to do something good. Why don't you come 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 to a class? Once a week. Ah, what's once a week going to help? I'm never going to be a scholar. The answer is just try once a week and let's see what happens. Maybe it'll hook you in too much more. And therefore, the Chacham, he's successful in seeing this. It reminds me of the story. I forgot which, but one of the before she brings it down. There was a Russia who came to a tzaddik. He says, listen, I'm a Russia. I really should do tshuva, but I'm not able to do tshuva. There's no hope for me. The rabbi said, okay, I understand. But can you do maybe except one thing in your life? Don't dwell on her six, but except one thing. It's okay. One one thing only? This guy's a real rush. He's a ganif. He's a gazem. He's a mafioso. He's like terrible. One thing I'll do. What does he do? He tells him, don't ever lie. <laughs> okay, that's not so bad. I mean, I'm a, I'm a robber. I'm a ganif. I'm a rapist. Okay, I won't lie. Okay, fine. He accepts that. What happens? So he goes on his way. He gets together with his gang. And they plot the next uh, bank robbery. So the guy starts uh, looking out, scoping out the, a bank. And as he's walking, somebody asks him, what are you doing here? Oh, well, I'm just, and he wants to say, just a tourist. So I promised I wouldn't lie promised he wouldn't lie he says oh uh, 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 I'll see you and to make a long story short since he couldn't lie turns out he wasn't able to do terrible things and once he stopped doing terrible things he was able to do tshuva there's a lot of stories about that got to find certain hooks in our lives everyone according to his level there are people who don't put on tzitzis now, that's not a good thing, but is it usher to not put on tzitzes? Well, not really, because only if you wear a four-cornered garment do you have to put on tzitzes. And if I don't put on a four-cornered garment, I don't put on tzitzes. But the rabbi said it's a good thing to put the four-cornered garment on because it has a lot of spiritual benefits. It reminds you of the 613 mitzvahs. It protects your eyes from not looking at things you shouldn't look at. Well, uh, that's, you know, is it going to change your whole life just to put on a pair of tzitzes? These are the little hooks in life. The battle of Yiddishkeit is not won and lost with the big things. Although ultimately that's what happens one way or the other. But the real battle is in the trenches of the hooks. And our avoider should be, find the hooks that have to be pulled out of your house and start putting some hooks into your house. So to pardon the pun, 
so you'll be coming hooked on Yiddishkeit. That's what the month of El is about. I wish us all success in finding the right hooks and removing the ones you shouldn't have. So we should all have an amazing Rosh Hashanah, all hooked to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Thank you for listening and have a good Shabbos.